It's hard to believe that it was nearly 30 years ago when I first heard a little band out of Texas called Dangerous Toys. Dangerous Toys had a few MTV Headbangers ball hits with songs such as Teasin' Pleasin', Scared, and Give Me No Lip, just to name a few. The band had two hit albums with their self-titled debut and their follow-up, Hellacious Acres. Hellacious Acres was followed by a third album called Pissed, which while it didn't achieve the success of the first two, it was a powerful record in its own right and fans still hold it in high regard to this day. When lead vocalist Jason McMaster isn't performing in one of his other 48 bands, he still finds time to assemble Dangerous Toys and give us longtime fans a chance to reminisce on the days of old. In 1990, Dangerous Toys and Junkyard played a show at Center Stage Theater here in Atlanta, which is now considered to be one of the most legendary shows in the hard rock scene. And to complete the circle, Dangerous Toys will be performing on March 30th at Center Stage Theater as part of the 2019 Rocklanta Festival. You got to light them up and you knock them down, take a look, boy. Jason McMaster of Dangerous Toys, welcome to Talking the Talk with the Great Southern Brain Fart, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. And I'm also glad that a name like the Great Southern Brain Fart didn't send you running, but... Well, it's uh, it's kind of important to not take yourself too seriously. I find myself taking myself too seriously sometimes, but... Then I realized, oh, oh yeah, I front a band called Dangerous Toys. Surely people can't take me that seriously. So. Well, I just have to say, because you know, my history with Dangerous Toys started out when I was in high school, obviously. It was, it was uh, 1990, uh, the debut album. Uh, saw you at Center Stage Theater, which is where you're going to be playing as part of Rock Lana, which is kind of wow. like, full circle. And you guys, yeah, were, it is full circle. Yeah, where, where did you see us play? What's the name of the venue? Center, Center Sta- Stage. Center Stage. It was you guys and Junkyard. Wow. Yeah, you know, you you told me that in an email, and I was trying to remember that. And I thought it was I thought it was a different club. I thought it was like a, called like the Cotton Club or something like that. Well, is it like Marietta or somewhere? Do we play two? Is are they in this? Are they both in Atlanta proper? Well, no. I remember it being Center Stage, not the Cotton Club. That's why I'm, you know, because I was at the show and with you guys. Well, in maybe, maybe maybe I'm thinking I played the Cotton Club with someone else later you, on. The, or something. You, it's 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 pro, it's probably possible because the, actually the Center Stage Junkyard and Dangerous Toy Show is like legendary in town <laughs> you know what i mean like oh good I, I, that's I, good to hear then i'm not then i will not argue with that <laughs> so let's like, go let's go with let's I, go with plan b well i kid you not because like i i can't tell you how many people i've like you know like junkyard was just here not too long ago um actually it was like last yeah. end of the year last year and it's it's so funny how like you'll be in a room with somebody and then you'll overhear someone say, "Oh, junkyard and dangerous toys," and you go, "Were you at the center station?" And they're like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> like everybody, like it's like it's like like we, nobody knows each other, but like we were all at that show, you know? What I mean, <laughs> like so. Well, that's all. That's all. That's all. Rock and metal fans are. They're they're connected and they don't know it until. You know, they they check out each other's badge of honor, which could be a T-shirt they're wearing or just overhearing a conversation. You know, right? I think um, I think heavy metal fans are extremely proud of how ridiculous of a fan they are, and they can't wait to talk about it. Oh, it's so funny because it goes back to exactly what you said in your, when you and I were emailing back and forth and you were like, oh, you're a metal nerd just like me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, yeah. That's the, because that's, well, that's the, what I'm trying to yeah. say. It's like metal, metal nerds everywhere. I mean, you know, 
<clears throat> anyway, it, it never, it's never going to go away. I, I have this thing that I usually say to people that, uh, that say, well, I used to like heavy metal or I, I used to like rock music. And it's like, no, then you never, ever liked it. Oh yeah. I really liked it. No. That's... And they're like, what do you mean? I, I can't, I can't change my, well, if you right there, if you just change your wardrobe because the wind blows another way and the trend changes, that's not, that's you just finding yourself. That's not, you know, if it if something is speaking to you, the rest of the shit should be easy to ignore. It should also always be a thread to your past or even stepping stones to get to the person you are now. Because, you know, it's so funny. Like, you know, I've been married for 21 years. I have this awesome wife. She's like super supportive of me being a musician and a writer and whatnot. And, you know, like when and she's not into metal at all. But one of the things she always thought was funny was she was like, you know, the first time I met you, you were like, I have two favorite bands, The Grateful Dead and Iron Maiden. And she was like, I had no idea how to deal with that. She goes, but I I was just like, well, at least the guy's got is honest and he has an identity. You know what I mean? And so, so like even through the years, you know, I'm 45 years old now. I mean, I, I just wrote a book about my 30 plus year journey as a metal fan and it, oh, I love it! You What's know, it called? Uh, it's it's actually it's actually going to be called Southeast of Heaven because you know we live in I live in the Southeast, so it's, right. Yeah, it's, it's called, I'd love to have a copy of that, man. Oh, dude, I will hook you up, man, without a doubt. Because um, yeah, you know, it's in the editing stages at this point. But it was one of those things yeah. where I was like, <clears throat> you know, you know, I run the blog and I'm friends with a bunch of writers, and they were all telling me they were like, Don, you have these great stories. Like you should, you know, the older we get the harder they're to remember and the more we embellish them. So you should start like just writing them down. So I just started writing essays, you know, just, you know, recounting. So it's really not like an autobiography. It's just a collection of essays of me remembering things. And, you know, but but metal is one of those things, like you said, it's, 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 you know, as corny as it sounds, it's a huge part of the fabric of my life because I still listen to the metal music that I loved and, you know, cherished as a kid, you know, a dork growing up. That yeah, didn't have I, a lot of I, uh, I have a hard time with uh, anything new. And it's just, you know, I just want to eat comfort food, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I, you, know, you know what I mean? I, I can't get past a certain handful of Kiss records, ACDC records, UFO records, Ten Lizzy records, and the list goes on. You know, Queen, Elton John. It just goes on and on and on. I can't uh, not have this as the soundtrack for my life. So when some of these classic rock bands and metal bands uh, make new material, I'm extremely afraid to press play. All right. I am. I am also over the moon that they in their elderly statesman placement are still making rock music. Mm-hmm. I am <clears throat> extremely proud to be a fan of those bands that have, you know, a thousand releases, but it doesn't mean that I've purchased the last 900 of them. <laughs> it's so that's, true. That's, yeah. either, that's, that's a little bit, uh, has to do with maybe my pocketbook. It has a little bit to do with, uh, what I said first, I am afraid that it's going to be schlocky. It's not going to have the the same uh, impact upon my soul that they did when I first heard what what they were trying to say when they were young and hungry and broke. Something about the little guy, you know, when, when every band just kind of gets going and even when they've only done a handful of tours and they only have two or three records out, there's something going on with them that that's what I love about it. And it doesn't mean that they can't make a great record, but it doesn't also change the fact that I'm afraid to go into the deep end with them. Yeah. And that's totally understandable because it's like you said, it's, it's a level of comfort. I mean, you know, with me running the running my blog, I'm 
constantly inundated with emails of bands putting out records and whatnot, you know, and especially now we have like the Frontiers label where we have older bands that, you know, from, you know, from, you know, our, our early era, you know, of that early nineties that are making new music. And I'm, I, and I always have to just hold my breath when I go to press play because, you know, being a writer, the reason why I do this in the first place is to write about the bands and the music that I'm passionate about. And so to give their new material a listen is something that I do, but it, it's like you said, I always have this like slight of caution you know, when Priest put out this last album, I, I had to like bite my knuckle because I was like, man, how good is it going to be? It was fantastic. It was fucking great, you know? And I, I was so proud that they put out such a great record. It was my favorite record since, you know, Screaming for Vengeance. Um, I thought it was great, you know? But at the same time, if I'm going to go listen to Priest... You know, I'm gonna go listen to Sad Wings of Destiny, you know, or like Stained Class. Or, yeah, I, I can you know. I can agree with what with what you're saying. I I'm even afraid to. I mean, I haven't heard Firepower all the way through. Of course, I heard the the one, maybe two, maybe three songs that they may have played live mm-hmm. uh, when I saw them recently. But at the same time, I'm not paying attention to to firepower i'm paying attention to the ripper right right and and that's just me it doesn't mean that i didn't enjoy the it it doesn't mean i didn't enjoy every moment you know oh yeah and like you know and i'll even say too that you know and and one of the things i'm kind of known for for better or for worse with my site is it's just my 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 honesty when it comes to things like this and you know like I'll be honest, you know, I wasn't a huge LA guns fan in the beginning much. So like anything that they put out new, isn't going to wow me if their old stuff didn't wow me. But at the same time, I was a big Torah Torah fan. And when I just got the advance of their new album, it's fucking fantastic. It sounds great. But at the same time, even back then, you know, they were playing this kind of a timeless style of music. You know what I mean? That, it doesn't even seem like there was much time between this new album and say like wild America, you know what I mean? And so I feel like right. if it, if it's, <laughs> if the heart's there and if it's done right and it's like, you know, the, the chemistry's good, that's cool. But if you're just putting out records to try to take on this image of relevance, then yeah, it's not going to be good. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, I totally right. understand why well, bands go out on the road and don't rec- like, I mean, God, Cinderella hasn't made a new album since 1994. Those guys, yeah. anytime they hit the road, it was just the classics. So there's a reason why they didn't make new music. You know what I mean? I mean, right. Well, I've been, uh, I've been in that same, uh, living on that same planet for many, many years when, and it, it, I guess it come, it was coming up often enough, you know, a couple of times a year, maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, about people asking uh, me or the guys in the toys uh, if we were writing new material, if we were ever going to make a new record or something like that. And how do you answer and that? I would, I would, I would answer it. I was almost, I was almost being a dick by by saying you know oh it's probably never going to happen why make a new record why even write a new song when it when you know everybody just wants to hear cheese and pleasing and sport and woody and maybe give me no lip that's it they want to relive you know their mtv heyday they even want the band to look exactly like they did in the video and then hit parader photographs you know <laughs> pinups and shit and when the band is in their 50s and they don't look so hot anymore there's nothing that we can do because uh, nature is a cruel mistress oh, so, you know and, and and you know to write songs about your dick when you're in your 50s and you're a grown-up and you you have a job and you're a teacher or whatever you do to write song, to write cock rock, it's that's 
that's an art form that you almost have to like rethink or revisit. Uh, I think that a band like Tora Tora, when you know, because they have all original members, they can come back and throw a record together that's pretty badass. And right, I haven't heard their new record, but because those guys are real, they're real dudes. They're they're buddies of mine. They're you know we toured with them. Uh, with LA Guns in late 89 and and they were great and we hung out all the time and and um you know I feel bad that I haven't heard their record I feel bad that I didn't go see them when they came through my town etc cetera, mm-hmm. etc cetera, et cetera. but you know an old man's got shit to do so the <clears throat> the crazy thing is is you you've touched on a lot of the things when you talk about Cinderella like they haven't had a record since the mid '90s. Well, Banger's Choice hasn't had put out a new record since the mid '90s either. Exactly right. But I, you know, it doesn't mean that all of us didn't stop writing music or playing music or anything. We just play a show under the name Dangerous Toys every once in a while. We we have like the exact lineup that played on the first record. So what what's our what's our hangout? What's our problem? Well, <laughs> the, the just making a record to to make a record doesn't sound right to me because of the reasons I mentioned a second ago. Right. But then then I realized that all these other bands are making new records um, to sort of paraphrase you for relevance to say right here's a new record uh, you know we don't care if it sucks or not but we are still a band and you should come see us live and hear us play you know uh, Bathroom Wall or Sex Action or Tease and Pleasing or right. uh, you know uh, She's Only 17 or whatever <laughs> whoever you are making a new record in 2000 something uh, it's relevance like you said now, for it to be good and for fans to actually have hoopla over it, you're winning that one for them to just be able to stand up and go, oh, my God, this is incredible. And are they saying it because they're just excited that they're, they're, they're uh, a band they loved when they were younger, that they go see any time they can still, uh, maybe arguably to just hear the hits because that's what they love. Right. And that's all we got the first few records that we play anyway and you know we play pissed and we play teasing and sporting the woody and queen of the nile we go deep a little bit and mm-hmm. we play bones in the gutter and we we you know we play pain train and 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 we you know uh here comes trouble and that dog and tin boots and <laughs> like you know, seriously we, we play all the songs yeah. yeah yeah we 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 have the mixtape going on you know, we have it going on, but then, you know, make a new record. How many of the new songs are we going to play in a set full of what I just mentioned? Right. One, and then, and then kind of like you two, said, like with the priest thing, is it like, what are you going to do? Are you going to play like two of the songs and sandwich them in between, you know, like sport and a Woody and outlaw. And then, you know, may, then do another new one and then do, you know, line them up and, you know, so it's like, it's almost, you know, it's, and I'm so glad that you get this because my whole concept for dangerous toys is that, like I said, being the fan that I was and that I still am, um, I kind of like, like I ended with pissed, you know, I didn't go past pissed, you know, I don't know why maybe it was just because it was a different time and something kept me from going any further, but kind of like what you said about when, when you have a favorite band and I actually wanted to touch on this too, is because even when pissed came out, I remember listening to it and going, I'm not feeling this, you know, but here's the ironic thing is that, you know, 20 something years later, you know, I hold that album in in as high regard as I do the the other two, you know. So for some you know, reason, a lot of people a lot of people felt the same way about that. Uh, Piss didn't have the the uh, the dramatic push from a from a major label. Right. TV was not there for rock and roll bands at that point. Not so much, you know. Uh, so you have to think about. 
your commercial successes and you have to think about, okay, well, back, we're, we're back to independent label and DIY attitude. And a lot of people took the Piss record as this angry face of the music business and how, you know, the wind blew and Nirvana took over and everyone changed their wardrobe and went that way. But we didn't. And we were just writing the songs that felt like dangerous toy songs. And, you know, those songs were, some of those songs on Pissed were written at the same time we wrote the songs for Hell Asia Faker. 90, 91, 92. Well, guess what? Some of these are going to last and we're going to play them live. And guess what? They're going to come out on a record and no one's even going to realize that they were actually written the same day Line Em Up was written. So they can't, you know, for because of your growing up, you know, yeah. because of your your 20 or 25 or 30 year old something around the time of uh of you know 94 so 94 i was 20 came out yeah 94 i was yeah so see, i was 21 i was 21 change, yeah you're you're changing a little bit things are not you're not 15 anymore right so things are moving around a little bit sounds to me like you were a couple years after that you got married so yeah, well, are, yeah, it's you know, well, things, things yeah. Things are moving around for people, and then, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to take it uh, the way that you're going to take it because of who you are uh, at that point. It doesn't change the fact that you're a heavy metal fan or whatever, but it's going to hit you differently because you're not, um, your mind's already been warped. We're not hitting you with anything really new yet, but. In defense of the record itself, mm -hmm. it's a kick-ass rock and roll record. It's a fucking amazing and, record, and Jason. It, <laughs> take, it, take, it takes a second for people to go back and remember, you know, oh, they only have two records out. And, oh, shit, what was that thing that came out when I was mad at the world? Yeah, yeah. And, and then they listened to Piss, to, and, you know, that re got reissued a year ago. Yeah, and, it, it was on uh, picture disc and everything, yeah got really excited about it you know the vinyl reissue of it so well i think um, it's, i think you touched on it though perfectly though in the sense that like you said you know especially depending on your age like you know like so like at 94 i was 21 man like metal was pretty much on the decline i never really blame like grunge for coming in and ruining metal or anything i, th I think it's exactly right. what you said though I think what it is is that you know like if you were a warrant fan when you were 16 at 21 hearing a guy sing about getting a blow job in a bathroom stall or whatever you know you're just kind of like okay like what am I getting out of this you know what I mean like this isn't clicking well, with me you know and then you st and then your tastes things, grow things are things are changing for for you know your your mindset and mm -hmm. oh shit i got bills to pay i can't just walk around looking for a blowjob all the time now <laughs> you know that's it's ridiculous the idea of putting out a record in you know 2020 of of cock rock songs is going to be more difficult than you think until you get into your songwriting mode and you you're you're what I call juicy. Right. When you're juicy, you're you're writing lyrics, you're writing riffs, you're putting things together with your band, and you know what? Uh, to put a a, a, a dot 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 on this, mm -hmm. uh, we have a handful of songs now under the name Dangerous Toys, they're pretty good, and we like them, and we don't care if you like them or not. You know, an audience can read you like a fucking book, and, you know, and especially when they're older, like, I can spot a fake a mile away, you know what I mean? Because I, I go to so many shows, like, I can look up on stage, and I can tell when a band truly has chemistry, or if they're just like four guys that are up there going through the motions, playing the songs, and then going into four different rooms, you know what I mean? So if you well, don't, some, some people, <clears throat> some people, they're the only chemistry they have is on the stage, and they can't stand each other. But oh, they're yeah. magical when they make music together. So you know, I don't, 
I don't even see the guys in any of my bands until we're either writing or working on music, you know, somehow in some way, or at a rehearsal, which is rare. Right. I usually only rehearse with my bands unless I'm making a record or uh, uh, doing a show or a tour or something. Right. So I we none of us live even in the same town, <laughs> so it's kind of. You know what I mean? So well, everything's done yeah. via email now. I, I write music over the internet. So. Oh my God! I mean, I've I've talked to some of the some some of these more modern metal bands where like uh, I don't know. Are, are you, do you know who Johnny Gioelli is? Do you remember him? He used to sing in Hardline with uh, Neil Sean. Do you remember them? They wow, I have a yeah, I have a I have a glossy eight by ten promo photo of Hardline. And that I think is Neil awesome. Sean's autograph is on it. I don't even real remember how I ha- why I have it or how I got it. <laughs> that is amazing. But, sh- but I don't I don't know anyone in that band. I've met Neil a couple of times. Yeah. Well, the, know, well, the singer. Oh, right. Yeah, when they were like, kind of like, really, kind of hitting it, and so, well, their singer Johnny, right. he sings for a guy over uh, in Germany who's like a huge guitar god over there, uh, named Axel Rudy Pell, and he's. Oh his, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's a good gig because that that guy Axel Rudy Pell is. He does all the festivals. He does all the. I've even been on a bill with him. I mean, he's amazing. And he, I think yeah, I did a gig with Axel Rudy Pell in uh, 2000, maybe two. Yeah, 2000. Yeah. At Bang Your Head and Bowing and God, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, because he's been at it for ages. But that's what Johnny does is that Johnny lives in, in, in the States. You know, and all those guys right. are European, um, except for uh, Bobby Rondinelli, who's on drums now. So, like. Right. They like he does all his vocal tracks here, and the only time he actually yeah. sees Axel is when they get together to rehearse for like two days before a festival tour, and then they See, hang out on normal. the bus together. That's what. That's exactly what I just described. That's fucking normal. That's how it is now. That's exactly how it's done. You write the songs over the internet. You only rehearse and work those up because you know they get edited and you approve the edits and then you relearn the material with the edits that's it that's just how it's done well so do you like doing it that way as opposed to the old school way well i like i like uh, because i have because life gets in the way i, I love it that that's it this way i love to hear that from you because one of the biggest gripes i get I, I, that, that i have from people of bands from my generation that i love is when they complain about technology and this and, the other, and i'm going but if if you're not embracing it, you're totally losing and missing out. Well, you know, it's 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 like doing your homework and showing up to class and having your homework done. And here's my here's my sketch, you know, here's my outline, here's my essay, here's my my math homework. Oh, I got one wrong. Okay, well that's exactly you're working on shit at home. You take it to the top of the mountain. Uh, you fix you fix the flaws. You all get on the same page. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how life is. That's how the pub, that's how the public school system works, bro. <laughs> you know, you get your exactly. shit together before you show up in front of the teacher. You know, the teacher being your band, right? Before right. you show up in front of your other dudes, you got your shit together. Someone shows up if they're late or whatever. You know, they're not in the band anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, and if you're like me, like, I remember in the 90s when I was playing in a in a metal band, you know, like, I remember I would write I would write a song, and I would write it in a notebook, and I'd show up to rehearsal, and I'd be like, okay, here's the chords, you know, and here's the lyrics, and then it would be like an hour and a half, and it, I would be pulling my hair out because I'd be like, I could play every instrument on this fucking song if it was just me, but like. Mm-hmm. I love the I love the concept now that it's like you said, but somebody right. did tell me one time there's a big difference between between band rehearsal and band practice. Well, here's a, here's, a, here's a look here's a look into into how uh, it's exactly the same. I mean, I'm not arguing with you agreeing right. that, that you love the way that it's done now. I really think the same concept is there. You don't show you don't you don't come to rehearsal even if you rehearse three times a week and let's pretend there's no internet. Let's pretend it's nineteen eighty five. 
where you get in the garage and you hash out all of your songs. Well, if, you know, if uh, Joey and Billy and Ruthie and, and you know, uh, you know, Freddie are at home the, the night before working on partials that they wrote the night before, then they show up to the rehearsal the next day. The song should be done. Oh yeah. You're, you're able to work it out. Okay. Well that's done. That's how, that's how it is done. That's how it was done. It's just done over the internet now. Well, so like looking back on the dangerous toys album, the same like, shit. I mean, was that the same way the, like for the debut on, is that kind of how the process went? Was that everybody? Well, kinda... in every band, in every band I've ever been in. And then the, fucking 15 bands that I'm currently in. It's how, that's how it's kind of done anyway, dude. You are, you don't show up with nothing to work on. Right. You show up with something to work on. Even if it's only one guy, maybe the main writer, you know, and, and the group shows up with fucking something to work on if your intention is to write a new record. You're not going to show up and play your hit songs over and over and jack off in the corner. Right. That, that's the last thing you need to do. You don't need to play "Tease and Pleasing" over and over again. So you show up, and you 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 know that you're not we're we're too old to do for that. You know, it, it's not about that anymore. Why are we rehearsing? I fucking hate rehearsing. Why are we rehearsing? Oh, oh, you got a new riff. Oh, well, I got a bag of lyrics right here. Let's see what works. Oh, okay, cool. I'll hone this in tonight. Next time you get together, boom, you got something to fucking work on. And that's where the magic happens. You know, like you said, like it becomes less of a waste of time and twiddling your thumbs and then actually <laughs> being something productive, you know. Right. Um, well, you do your homework. You, you do your homework, but you're not doing it on pencil and paper. You're doing it on some sort of digital recording device. Right. You're putting it on a thumb drive. Or and, and and before you get to rehearsal, two days prior, if you can, you're you're sending a rough draft of your little demo that you've got on how your vocal fits, how your riff fits, what kind of groove you you are suggesting the drummer do, you know where the push and the pull are. Right. That's important. And once you get that going, you know you argue about the tempo later. Because you don't know how that's going to feel till you play it live, anyway. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that kind of flushes itself out, you know, in 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 a live situation or. Right. Know. Well, you end up walking away going, "Wow, the demo is really, really slow compared to this." But I like this better. This feels natural, you know. And then you make amends. Exactly. exactly. Or then if it then if it's too fast and you can't get all the words in there that you really want to use. And you're losing, or you're losing the hook because the 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 the, the tempo is too fast. Those are important things to know, but that comes with experience. Oh yeah, matter of fact, because I'm I'm a wordy motherfucker when it comes to writing songs, and so sometimes, it, you know, there's this fine no, line. No, you of knowing... you were fine with just your word. You're, you're, this is, I'm trying to be funny here. You're you're word you're a wordy motherfucker. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you're writing songs or not, I know that about you in this 15 minutes we've been on the phone or whatever. You're a wordy motherfucker. I am too. And that's what I love about that because I was like, I was like, okay, I totally know we're going to connect on this, you know, but like, you know, the whole, the whole concept of songwriting, like you said, is that like, you know, okay, do we need to slow down the the tempo or do I need to edit myself, you know? And then you kind of figure those things out as you go along. But, well, you're always, you know, when is a song done? When is a painting done? You're always editing yourself until, because, you know, you got to breathe. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. You know, take, taking out a little, I call it, you know, getting rid of the bananas. You know, like <laughs> just trimming the, you don't need this and that, and why is that, why is that in there? And, you know, you don't, you don't have to say, here I am walking down the street. You say walking down the street. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just, you take all of that fat off. You just get rid of all of it. And guess what? Then you can breathe. Then you can mess with the tempo. Then you can just completely adjust how everything is falling or not falling into place. One of the things I always wanted to talk to you about was, was just the past dangerous toys tours. I mean, I saw you guys on 
tour for all three albums. I saw you guys for the first album. Well, you so, know, you know, you know, we we toured on a fourth record. Too. Yes, I know, but I did not see you on. I don't. Did you guys even oh, come to Atlanta for that one? You know, I don't think that we made it because just to kind of put that story to bed, we were on we were on the road uh, as a four piece band. I was playing bass. You're playing bass. I was yeah. Still singing, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went. We I know we 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 went up through Tennessee. Uh, we did. We went out west. We started our way back across the U.S. <clears throat> we were in the Midwest somewhere, and we were doing in stores like record signings, you know, stuff like that. Right. And we show up to one of them, and it was a total spinal tap. We show up. <laughs> we we talk to the product manager. We're like, hey, we're Dangerous Toys. We're here to do our in store with you guys. And they were like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh no, oh, man. And it's like, yeah, here's uh, we have this and that, this and that. And, you know, here is our new record is blah blah blah. Here's a label it's on, and and so we're calling our record label and telling them what's going on, and. They were, they then, my label then, it was, you know, it was a small label. Right. They then apologized over the phone. Oh, we're sorry. We've lost our distribution. Uh, and they don't have your record. And we're sorry we didn't tell you, but we canceled the in stores. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so total spinal tap. And we, we, we just, turned around and went home pretty much i think we played a few gigs on the way home yeah yeah we went home the thing is is nobody was scarred or butthurt about it or anything like that it's laughable now sure we were upset a little bit right you know it was uh you know that was that was like 1995 dude you know it's kind of a weird time for rock and roll and people didn't really know where it was going to land That was really funny because, like I said, like because when I saw you guys in '89, and then I saw you guys on Hellacious Acres on the Operation Rock and Roll tour. That was the only time I got to see you. That was Lakewood. That was Lakewood. Lakewood Amphitheater. Center stage. Yeah, and then I saw you. Center stage, Lakewood, and and then then where'd you see Piss? Masquerade. Oh, far out. Yeah, Yeah. man, that was a good gig. That was a fucking great gig, and that's what I was gonna get at was that. What I remembered the most was that at that point, people going through the whole like, oh man, this shit's fucking dead, whatever. You guys never seemed to lose steam at all. And like on that show, I just remember that show being as good, if not better, as the Hellacious Acres set if it would have been double the length. Because I was pissed. I was pissed on the on the uh, uh, Operation Rock and Roll. I was like, "What do you mean they're only doing five songs or six songs? Like, what the fuck, man?" Well, we, we, <laughs> you we, know? Got, we we played as long as Metal Church did. Yeah, yeah, which was I think was like, like 30, 20, 25 the, minutes, twenty five minutes or, or thirty, 30 minutes or something. Hour set. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. those two thirty minute sets, and then of course but, you know but, then Motorhead but, see, did an that's hour. Normal. You know, you realize how normal that is. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. When you go to festival type shows, I mean, not not everybody's even getting forty five or an hour. It's very common for an opening band to get a half hour and or forty minutes or forty five minutes. It's very very normal. I remember going to see like Ozfest, you know, or or just you know like. Uh, you know, Judas Priest, Heaven and Hell, Megadeth, and Black Label Society, just a bill. I mean, I know I went to a show with very, uh, if not that exact bill, bill uh, something. It was similar or close, right. <laughs> and, and, and like Black Label is the first fucking band, and they play 35 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's very normal, and it's weird. You think, well, fucking Zach Wild, you know, they play up the street and sell it out eight hundred <laughs> kids and play play three hours if you wanted to but you know it's it's being on the shed tour which uh helps your credibility well so i just finished kk downing's book and he kind of it was, it was kind of i don't know if you've read it um but uh he 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 had some like not favorable things to say about that particular tour, like he like that he didn't. Oh, I completely do it. understand. I, um, I I I completely understand why he would say the things he was saying. I mean, it was a waning. Uh, it, it was a dying animal. Uh, not the tour, but just rock and roll. 
uh, right. because people were so fucking trendy. You know, the people that, that uh, like that connected with uh, what was happening out of Seattle, I right. think that's fucking awesome when music takes on a new, it's a revolution. It had, there has to be a musical revolution. It, there always but has to be, But it doesn't mean that you, yeah, it's supposed to be that way. It's, that was supposed to fucking happen. And a lot of people getting upset about it or complaining because there's lack of ticket sales and your tour uh, is uh, almost in shambles because the ticket sales are not great and there's change of venues once in a while. And, you know, I think that uh, someone like K.K. Downing uh, sort of dogging down the tour a little bit mm-hmm. uh, publicly is understandable if he is used to it being a certain way. Right. Um, but, but from your I perspective, don't that, I don't think that I don't, I don't think that he, uh, would be able to say anything different. Uh, like what he said about operation rock and roll about when they didn't have Rob Halford and he didn't seem to mind having, uh, another singer, playing in even smaller theater. They actually played the same venue that you guys played on the Piss Tour. In the late 90s, right? Yes, they played the masquerade. He's on tour, you know, six years later, playing almost like a a bigger-sized club. Right. And, you know, does he he complain about that in his book, or, or was everything okay by then? You know, just kind of... You have to remember... He's seeing it the way he saw it. So there may have been some other things going on. Oh, and he wasn't yeah. working with Rob Halford anymore. So there may have been some new blood in there that sort of like, uh, and he drank from that cup and he felt better about it. And maybe he may not be complaining about the later, you know, five years after the Operation Rock and Roll Tour. You know, those are his eyes, not ours. So us as fans or, you know, shit, I mean, I was even on that tour, but I, I see what he saw, but I don't have the, the history to complain about, uh, what he's complaining about because, Hey man, I was a guest and I was happy to be there. And just because the climate was bad business wise, would be the only complaint I would see. If there was something internal, right. uh, maybe it wasn't explained correctly, or it's not it's not uh, transparent in the book the way he's complaining about Operation Rock and Roll. Yeah, basically, he just said it was like an ego pull between them and Alice Cooper, which I was like, ah, I was like, well, whatever you whatever you well, want to call it, you that's, know, that's, but, that's okay. Yeah. That's, that's all right. I mean, what did he expect? I mean, you know, that's good fucking a, God, the dude. label put that. Alice Cooper and Judas Priest. Yeah, exactly. Together. I mean, it's not like. The label like, put that together. He can't get mad about that. Oh, yeah. And if he can, then, uh, you know, the ego flex, uh, that's fine. Whatever. Well, so how were you guys approached to, um, and, and I hope you don't mind talking about it because like, I feel like not too many people ever talk about that tour. And to me, even to this day, like you said, like based, even with the article that I sent you, like I look at that as one of the greatest concerts I ever went to, you know? So like, you know, from your eyes though, maybe even looking like, how did you guys end up getting involved with it? And then once you were involved in it, were you able to enjoy it without the egos of other bands that, you know, you know, the horror stories oh, you hear course. about festival tours? Oh, oh my God, of course. Um, <clears throat> it goes like this. So we're uh, still fairly a new band. Uh, the first record sold well enough for the label to find us uh, either a contemporary or a contender or uh, have enough of a future on the label to invite us to play at a label uh, fueled promotional uh, the other side of the coin last ditch effort because they were taking down the the Judas Priest and Warrant posters at the in the label offices and replacing them with Alice in Chains and oh, Soundgarden. Yeah. Or whatever it was, right? <clears throat> I know Allison Chains was on the same label. It was all Sony, 
it was a Sony music tour. Okay. And since we were on Sony and Metal Church was on Sony and Metal, and Motorhead was on Sony, et cetera, Alice and Priest, we were all Sony bands. So they all put us on a thing together. I did not know that. To, I didn't make that connection. They tried to, yeah. they tried to put, they tried to put uh, all of those bands on the road together to try to generate sales. Whatever it was, I mean, I I think I remember uh, Metal Church being, and and rightly so, uh, a little bit perturbed about having to go on at like four and five o'clock in the evening. And we were on right after them. I mean, you know what? And they came out no holds barred, all guns blazing, just kicking ass, super oh. on fire. And they were fucking great every night, very very consistent. And then Dangerous Toys would play, and then Motorhead would go on. Okay, press stop. So Metal Church and Motorhead are, that sounds proper to me, just when I say Metal Church and Motorhead. Right, right. Even though Motorhead's not really a metal band, they are coveted by metal bands and hardcore bands and punk right. rock bands because Lenny uh, is a legendary animal, and he's, his own uh, disposition has... Uh, helped him create a career among heavy metal fans and punk rock fans, as well as people who just like bluesy rock and roll, like blue cheer and old school, like proto metal. Kind right. Of shit, right. Know? So, because he's kind of Jurassic, you know, Motorhead, the idea is just blues rock. But, you know, if you got a drummer who can play double kick fast, you're going to use him. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, you know, so Motorhead creates this this whole style of rock and roll that's blues based and Lemmy who can you know Lemmy who's just blowing air over his pipes and it sounds like razor blade that's his tone and it's beautiful to our ears because we love heavy metal and it sounds scary and it's fun and he's just singing little Chuck Berry style rock and roll songs and the world loves Motorhead and everybody knows it yeah. but because of all of the heavy metal histrionics within Motorhead the idea you know, he's not fooling anybody. It's, right. It's, it's metalheads are going to like it. So, you know, Metal Church, which is kind of a classic, sort of early thrash bands with classic metal tendencies, is the opening band. And then you got this cock rock band sandwiched in between Motorhead and Metal Church. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> how hard, how hard do you think we had to work to, to look cool in between Metal Church and Motorhead? Which is so funny because coming from a diehard Dangerous Toys fan, like in my mind, it worked because you're not seeing I, it the way we thought. I was we there, had to yeah. make it work in between Metal Church and Motorhead. We felt like, and maybe, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should have come out and just grabbed our dicks and said, "Fuck it." No, but, but see, I'm I felt like you. the other way around. Is that I felt like you I, guys came out guns we, blazing. On the at least well, on the we, footage that I remember, yeah, we did. Yeah. you know what? You know what? I felt like they raised the bar. Motorhead and Metal Church. I mean, it's like we we were looking at it, looking at each other, going, "Are you fucking serious?" I mean, we're on a heavy metal tour, and we're not really a heavy metal band, right? Not really, not really. You know, we're a heavy metal band influenced by ZZ Top, Foghat, Aerosmith, and Rat and Van Halen. Right, but we're but we're going on in front of Motorhead <laughs> after Metal Church. It's a it's crazy looking to me. So you know we strapped on the leather and we 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 danced as fast as we could as to not get hit by quarters and lighters and piss bombs. And then you had you the know? badass backdrop. I remember because I re clearly remember you going, how fucking cool is this backdrop? <laughs> you know, like, and well, I just... you know, I had to, I had to play with, with the tools that I had. You oh, know? And yeah. the backdrop was one of them. And what I'm saying is, is we were, you know, people were, we were still cool. Um, I don't remember metal church really, uh, you know, being butthurt about anything, but I know it was a little uncomfortable for him here and there. Uh, I know that Metal Church and Motorhead would go and do one-offs to sort of fill in the paycheck. Like on days off, yeah, yeah. Right, they would, they would fill in so they could play, you know, they could play longer sets, and they, they would do them on their own, 
And they may have even had the uh, the same booking agent. I don't recall, but I, I was like, "Wow, I want to go see that." You know, it's like you know, day off in the town before you're going to go, you know, play with the priest. Uh, you know, I think I went and saw them in Florida. I think I went to a little club and saw Metal Church and Motorhead, who I was on the bill with at the Big Shed the night after that, and that was pretty weird and pretty cool at the same time. But there were shows, the reason that part of that was happening is because it would be like all of a sudden one of the shows gets canceled and there's three days off, so those guys would book a show with Motorhead, right? Or oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and when you're fucking Motorhead so, and so, you call... You, so then you there would be a show, yeah. then there would be a show, two or three shows, I think, throughout the entire tour that Motorhead and Metal Church were not on the bill and it was just Toys, Cooper, and Priest. Wow. Now, you know, it's funny, though, because you talk about the pairing between uh, Metal Church and Motorhead. It's like I always thought Toys and Cooper would have been just perfect. Do you know what I mean? Like just the two of you. And that has happened before. We've done shows with Alice Cooper where it's just us and Cooper. Oh, now, see, now that's what I, that, that's the show I would have loved to have seen. I would have got more of you. Yeah, I think we you know? I think we did that in Dallas at the Bronco Bowl, which holds like I don't know three or four thousand indoor sort of old theater style. It's not there anymore, but right. it was in Dallas, it was it was a local band, and then it was Toys, and then it was Cooper, and that was in 1999. Wow, so that would have been you know eight yeah. years after we toured with Cooper. So. Well, so, so anyway, so this is all this is all very interesting fodder here, um, as to just just to to kind of give you a glimpse of what was going on. That was there was that stuff going on. I remember being somewhere, sitting on the back of the drum riser, Alice Cooper's drum riser. I'm sitting, I'm sitting. My ass is planted on there. There's a couple of us. There's some road cases hanging around. And KK is walking by and he stops to talk to us. He's got a couple of his roadie guys with him or whatever. Uh-huh. And we're just chatting and I'm just looking up at him staring. I caught myself staring. It's like, fuck, that's KK Downing right there. I'm fucking kind of hanging, kind of hanging out with KK Downing. <laughs> I was like, hey, I was like, hey, hey, uh, hey, K, you, you got a guitar pick in your pocket? <laughs> He told let me see. And he reaches in and pulls out a guitar pick. I still have it. See, that's Framed, me. Actually. This is why you and me are the same. Again, metal dorks, dude, all the way. <laughs> like, because that's totally me. Like, even ten, doing this well, for 10 dude, years. Come like, on. Hey, you know. hey, I'm on tour with my idols. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like I told you, like, man, man, at that center stage show, I was pressed up against the stage during your set. And and I don't know what I don't know if I motioned to you or whatever, or if you just but for some reason you took off a bracelet because you, you, you wore all these bangle yeah. bracelets. And you took off this bracelet and you handed it to me. And I was like, fuck. And I put it right on. I just wore it for like, I mean, I wore it to school. I wore it for like three years and I like, even, you know don't don't feel bad I don't remember that but it's oh I don't expect uh, you I'm to not, remember it because I know you did a million yeah, yeah, shows yeah. but what I was did like, the bracelet look like what kind of ridiculous bla- bracelet was I wearing back then so it was weird it was like it was a kind of a thick bracelet like as far as like you know it wasn't like the you, you had like a bunch of these like bangle bracelets you know what I mean? like the little thin but metal it wasn't ones. leather it wasn't leather no no no, they were like, um, they were, it, it, it was a, it was a, uh, like kind of like a, like a metal or a pewter, like kind of bracelet. Oh, oh, right. Okay. And, right, right, right. And it had some sort of weird designs in it. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, like, I mean, you know, it looked yeah. like one of those things you buy at the kiosk in the mall, you know, back in the nineties, you know what I mean? Like, cause like, okay, Oh, that looks yeah. cool. About it. And you took that off yeah. and you handed it to me. And my buddy who was with me looked over at me and he goes, if I didn't see him do that, I would never fucking believe you that you were walking around with Jason McMaster's bracelet on at high school. You know? Nice. <laughs> but then, of nice. course, well, I, I lost it to a girl. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sorry you don't have it anymore. I that's know. So. <laughs> that same thing has happened to me before. So. But, I mean, but, you know, that I, I, I was always wanting to tell <laughs> you that story because Dangerous Toys' music has meant a lot to me. It was 
one of my best friends and companions in high school, along with two other guys who shared my love of, of your music. And to see you in the same venue that I saw you back, you know, in 89, once again, it's like, I, I'm, I'm beyond stoked. I'm beyond ecstatic. And, you know, I'm going to be there doing press coverage for the site. And I'm, I'm hoping I'll get a chance to meet you and shake your hand and thank you per, uh, personally, you know, because this is, you know, yeah, of course, this music has been amazing and it's been something that's never left my ears all these years, even through all the great, all the dead shows I went to, I was still a dangerous toys fan, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but, um, and so, but rock Lana, you guys are on the second day. That's going to be a hell of a bill, man. You guys, Tora Tora. I mean, that's going to be Lillian Axe. That's going to be it. That's, I mean, that that right there is a show in itself, you know? Yeah, that's a bunch of Southern rock, isn't it? Yeah, man. That's a bunch of the, the, the <clears throat> Southeastern boys. That's my stuff right there, man. You know? Some yeah, good, that's some... a bunch of boogie woogie rock and roll right there. <laughs> it yeah. really is. So, what can I look forward to? I mean, like, are you taking requests or do you have like your set list already? No, uh, no. Yeah. Bands don't do that. Contrary to belief. I think Metallica did it through their fan club, but their fan club spends a lot of money. So <laughs> we, uh, we, and that's fine. That's fine. Good for, good for them. You know, I, uh, I can just tell you to expect the obvious, whether that's not what you want to hear or not. Um, we try to play uh, as much of the first record as we can. We sprinkle in Hellacious Acres and Piss. We are not planning on playing any of the new material live yet because here's our, and this sounds really chicken shit, but as soon as you play a new song, I think that you'll understand though. As soon as we play a new song and there's all this cell phone footage of the song that sounds like crap and it's bad, it's misrepresentation it's of the the one the representation no one, you get, yeah. No one's ever heard before, so they're like, "What the fuck is that? That's not, you know." So Dangerous Toys plays a new song at Rockland, yay, and it's all over the internet and it sounds like shit. Fans that can't be uh, in Atlanta to witness that live are not going to enjoy it the same way that we all did in the room and that's not uh, to see that sounds chicken shit but at the same time uh it would be a reason why we wouldn't want to play anything fresh uh so soon without there being at least a studio version of it flying around somewhere see and i don't think it's chicken shit because i think it's actually quality control you know what I mean? Like I told, that would be like me saying. Well, and that's what know. isn't that? Isn't, you just started a whole new conversation? Damn it! Now isn't that a problem? Now because you know you, man, I videotaped Judas Priest last night, and I was so proud. They they put the whole concert on on their fucking their news feed or whatever, and it just sounds like ass. And you can tell what song they're playing, but it, all I hear is. <laughs> You know, that's all I really hear. And in the background of here, you know, you can tell what song it is. But, yeah, I don't want to watch someone's home movies. Now, maybe I'm spoiled. Maybe. maybe. (laughs) But something that's recorded in the audience on a Walkman-type situation, which is how old my brain is. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. That's terrible. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to my favorite bands. No, I mean, it's, it's like, if I wanted you to hear my band, I wouldn't send you a recording of one of our rehearsals. I'd send you a copy of exactly what I'm trying to say, (laughs) but the world doesn't, the world doesn't see it that way. Exactly. It's like like people who call themselves a photographer or they're, they're uh, a rock and and heavy metal enthusiast. And they go to any show they can go to and they take a camera and they take pictures and they immediately go home or they automatically upload them to everyone's Facebook. And there's not one decent photo. 99 of them are fucking blurry. Like just grainy, blurry, like. And, so... and they just want they just want people to know that they're a fan. Look, I was there and that's great. But can you learn how to take a good photo? Look, dude. When I saw you, when I saw you guys on the Hellacious Acres tour on uh, Operation Rock and Roll, me, and each of my friends, we took a poll, a dollar each, who was going to call the opening song. 
I fucking miss that. So like, you know what? I don't want to know what you're going to play in Rocklanta. I want to guess what you're going to open with. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I want that surprise because I miss well, let's that. See. We, we only play material from our first three records. It's pretty much going to be easy to figure out what songs we're going to play. Oh, absolutely. Well, I am like yeah. super fucking excited about it. And uh, Jason, I have awesome. to say, man, it, it, it's been an honor. It's been very cool, laid back to talk to you you're a great guy so what can i say awesome well uh, thanks for having me and uh let's do it again sometime